This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Breaking Back Europe, episode 164. Today, we talk about the crypto, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, we are here with the amazing guest. We have uh, Alexandro Stefan uh, from uh, uh, Young Platform that I had the pleasure to meet. I have a very beautiful chat, uh, maybe one year ago when it was. We have Guerra Kiwana, I pronounced your name correctly, from uh, Crypto Neves Africa. And Lorenzo Sicilia, uh, that is from Outerlier Venture, the Make Investment Web3 company. I need to pitch you something later. <laughs> and uh, we're here to discuss uh, how we live, interact with cryptocurrencies. Already many years that cryptocurrency are part uh, of uh, the reality. And uh, not everybody already had the opportunity to use cryptocurrency. But everybody heard about them at least. Uh, everybody knows what a Bitcoin is uh, and uh, that you can actually do things. So let's see the different experience uh, and uh, approach that uh, we have heard of, or we had directly of uh, living uh, with crypto. I personally uh, live in a part of the world that uh, uh, is... Uh, what it says a development developing country so crypto had a very big effect on uh, on people here and that became uh, quite uh, quite useful also being in asia where i am uh, uh, there is a little bit of more advanced uh, respect to europe uh, that is catching up uh, lately so let's start with alexandro what uh, what is your take of uh, crypto in everyday life so I will start. Thank you uh, for uh, having us today, Roberto, uh, and happy to see you again after one year. Uh, I will start from the basic uh, uh, definition of crypto uh, and uh, how it's to be intended today. So basically, a cryptocurrency, uh, it's a representation of an asset in the digital world. And this is uh, uh, also following, I would say, the Web3 trend that we've seen in the last month. For everyone that follow us, uh, the main uh, characteristic of this uh, of this asset uh, are basically the decentralized system on which they are working on, uh, meaning that no central authority or government controlling the asset. And this is, I guess, uh, the first take we we can have on the technology, uh, because at least from our perspective, that are an exchange uh, still on the centralized world, uh, what crypto is trying to do today uh, is to democratize uh, basically the access first of all to the financial world because is the first application we have seen uh, of these assets but uh, as said before uh, with the web3 trend we've seen another application that is in owning your own assets in your own portfolio that uh, okay. today is 
It's Sorry, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt you, don't but you worry. said a lot of things that probably some people go like, "What uh, Web three trend? Decentralization? Uh, uh, oh my god!" So yeah, crypto is money. Is money emitted from uh, a bank that doesn't belong to any government, right? Uh, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, it's not baked by gold. It's baked by the market power that they have. You know what people buy and sell it from. But is a is a mean of uh, exchange that is important. Is so some people can say. There is a scarcity that is guaranteed mathematically. So if you have one over 1,000, there is no more than tomorrow somebody print more. So that's the value given by like they they do with diamonds artificially or they do with gold because uh, no meteorite a big, a big... Can you imagine if tomorrow a big meteorite made of gold uh, crash on earth and, uh, you know, doesn't make much a disaster, gold lose value completely in overnight. So yes, this is, the, this is an interesting take my mom will say well why i need the crypto anyway you know like uh, what is the, the things that the change in my life i i know that uh, approaches to have electronic money something that is not physical no need to put document at the bank but uh, create means of exchange uh, between people as it's born like many things in the world like life is born in africa actually where mpesa was uh, this uh, phone company where people were exchanging the credit can you tell something about this if uh, it's something that you have seen uh, guara yes absolutely so thanks for having me um so i work at mfs africa and we are a pioneer really in mobile money uh so our dna has been mobile money especially mobile money interoperability uh across africa so being able to move funds between uh mobile money networks um across the continent so uh, really, M-Pesa and 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 similar uh, mobile money networks like um, MTN's mobile money, Momo, um, have really leapfrogged uh, the way that we move money, uh, the way that we see money being moved in the West. Uh, everyone has a phone, um, it, you know, whether it's a smartphone or a feature phone, and it enables you to use to use mobile money. Um, but but crypt, where does crypto come in, right? So uh, we we see crypto as a as as the next logical step, almost the next logical leapfrog on, on the continent. Uh, we still have really uh, large uh, swathes of, of individuals who are underbanked. Um, access to financial services is, is really hard uh, in, in markets like Nigeria and, and Kenya um, and, and, you know, regions like South Sudan even, um, which is why, you know, when we talk about cryptocurrencies, I actually want to remove the conversation about Bitcoin, for example, or Ethereum, whilst they're very, you know, great, and especially the Ethereum ecosystem is wonderful. I really want to focus more on, on the Africa story with regards to stable coins specifically. So what is a stable coin? Uh, it's, it's cryptocurrency that's designed to maintain a stable value. So unlike Bitcoin, which can be quite volatile, stablecoins are designed to have a consistent value that's pegged to another asset, like, say, for example, the US dollar. Um, so this is achieved by you know various mechanisms. But essentially, uh, stablecoins are digital currencies that aim to offer stability uh, of, of a traditional currency while retaining the benefits of cryptocurrencies like uh, cheap and fast transactions as well as secure. Um, and with regards to the Africa story, if, if, we, if we talk about mobile money and M-Pesa, um, as a leapfrogging to traditional banking, uh, crypto and stablecoins specifically are the next leapfrog from from mobile money to to for financial inclusion and, and really financial freedom across the continent. That's amazing. Think, uh, in fact, uh, here in Indonesia too, there is a lot of people that is born never registered to any government or anything, so they don't have an ID as well, which makes these people impossible for them to go in a bank and open a bank account. And in fact, uh, sometimes also people have names that are not very 
peculiar. Like, uh, you know, in Indonesia, family name doesn't exist. So there is people that is just called Roberto and nothing else. So first time I went to the bank, I the, the teller asked my phone number. I thought she wanted a date to go out, actually, because the phone number is more unique to a person uh, compared to the name or something else. So uh, connecting financial uh, aspect to a phone uh, is sometimes uh, more uh, indicating and uh, more precise than uh, to a person that you cannot identify, which is uh, something cool. It's an interesting things that they say uh, crypto bank them banked around the world. And at the same time, with all the regulations that are coming up, mostly in the United States with CC, the unbanked when it comes to crypto are the Americans compared to the other nations because they have a very limited access to all the things that uh, can be done uh, uh, online with uh, cryptocurrencies, which is a strange uh, uh, paradigm that uh, that uh, that is taking place. Lorenzo, now you are on Web3. Web3 is this piece of future that uh, include metaverse, include uh, digital identities, include many other things. So cryptocurrency are part of it, actually, which is a, an important aspect. Will tell us how is lived in the, in the Web3 aspect. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me uh, here. Uh, I, I work in Outlier Venture, uh, where we uh, are basically a, a Web3 accelerator. We are in a very good position to see what's happening. And like we 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 work with around like 200 companies per year. So it's a quite privileged view in terms of what's going on. And I, I think it's a very interesting aspect when you say like in the Web3 uh, has the cryptocurrencies as one of the elements. It's not only the cryptocurrencies, actually. And and what we're seeing is that companies are really starting to um, compound the blocks together to get something. And there are different things happening. Like, um, But what I really like is the fact that the sector is maturing. Even the fact that uh, in US we see this pressure for regulation, or in Europe, we are seeing like a lot of effort uh, coming up. I think in a way it's good because uh, crypto really needed to move to the next aspect, uh, to the next level, and has to be also uh, together with the rest of the society. So it can't be like just a niche. And and so what I can say is that basically we are seeing a lot of much more attention to how we build those, those startups, those ideas also, and, and project in general, uh, to be part of of the rest. So what I really like today is this idea that we are like these elements you're bringing in the conversation about people using uh, uh, cryptocurrencies in in other contexts and also coming back to the basics like exchange of value is so important because that is basically the foundation layer. We have we don't have blockchain. We have actually cryptocurrencies. The blockchain was the tech, but without the token economics, we wouldn't have it. No, because there is no interest. There is no incentives to have everything uh, together. Web3, it's like adding one more layer. We say like, okay, now we have this ecosystem we have that running because value and we can build on top. Uh, so what's happening is different areas. Like we have like, uh, for sure, a big issue is identity. No one won uh, this battle yet. There is plenty of, of actors there, but there is no winner or, or clear winner. Uh, there is a, I'm, I'm quite uh, optimistic in terms of gaming. We had a lot of friction, frictions there, but I do think that we'll see uh, good stuff coming from, from the dangle. 
we had this burst of NFTs uh, in, in, in the last like uh, 18 months with the uh, highs and lows. Probably like, a lot of speculation, but I still think that in the, in the end, we will stay with these primitives about NFTs. Maybe just not about yeah. JPEGs, but more like, for example, tracking, yes. logistic, and other things. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely a good overview because, in fact, the, the token, these cryptocurrency, crypto tokens, so native coins rather than generated coins, the beauty of the technology underneath it, which is the blockchain, is the magic that uh, he made in the digital world, right? From We went from analog. I had an LP in vinyls, a disc in vinyls. It was unique. If I give it to a friend, I don't have it anymore, right? And we moved to the digital aspect where I can have an MP3 and make a copy and we don't even know which is the original anymore. With the event of the blockchain, which allowed the cryptocurrency to exist, I create singularity in the digital world because I cannot make a copy of my Bitcoin and give it to you, the copy, because if I could copy Bitcoin, they would worth nothing. So the moment that I give my Bitcoin to you, I don't have it anymore. And uh, it, this was a revolution because once that I can have a unicity, singularity, or, re- or at least uh, the guarantee of an original compared to a copy, then I can do so many more things. And in fact, we had a cryptocurrency. After the cryptocurrency, we had the NFTs, which gave to the world the opportunity to see other things that can be done. But they're still token. They can be still traded as as cryptocurrency with a different methodology. So, okay, thanks to all of you for this first uh, you know, um, opinion on on cryptocurrency, and we have uh, interestingly because uh, Alexandro is an exchange, is a place where people can buy and sell. Plus, there's a lot of education, and actually, I would like uh, if later we can uh, promote this uh, aspect of your business uh, because it's a very important uh, thing. We we have L- Lorenzo that knows and invests in only the aspect of crypto and all the evolution that this uh, new wave of technology has brought, and where they can see firsthand how. Uh, this is used for people to to live. So, uh, in fact, there is uh, an evolution to the cryptocurrency, which is called DeFi, the centralized finance. Because if at first people thought the banks would get scared when they see cryptocurrencies, say, oh, somebody else is printing money beside us, uh, that was relatively important. But what shocked me is uh, the use of uh, is decentralized. Decentralized means that they're in hand of nobody. They are just guaranteed by mathematical system to do things that the bank do. I saw somebody writing in a tweet that he purchased a car making a loan through the centralized finance contract. I say I didn't have to fill a form. I didn't have to say my name. I gave my collateral as guarantee. I made the loan. I paid my interest. And then when it was finished, I got my collateral back. And like we have the family card through this. And I said, oh, my God, probably banks should be scared about this because if my mom that is 90 years old was able to use uh, something like that. She has no idea how to use a smart contract and other things, but uh, if she could, uh, then uh, probably the bank will be over. The bank, they are forced by regulators to uh, do certain things. It's true the regulators are trying to regulate uh, cryptocurrency and DeFi, but it's also hard to regulate something that doesn't have a person and a name behind that to go to and say, hey, you, you go in prison if you do something like that because it's not nobody. So it's in an interesting world. Let's make a round of uh, of this. Let's start with Alexander, which is your take on the fact that, uh, you know, there is this new possibility. How you think financial institutions will, you know, move to to catch up? How regulators will 
lose a little bit uh, the tight around financial institution to let them uh, compete with crypto? So uh, I will start uh, looking at the medium term uh, because in the end, uh, I don't see the crypto financial system living alone uh, without the traditional one. This, I would say, is the first step we have to do, everyone in our mind, because in the end, uh, we are trying to basically bridge uh, the capital from traditional financial system to the crypto one. So in the end, uh, these uh, financial intermediaries still exist and will exist in the medium term. Uh, this is the first step. On the long term, definitely, uh, what I see is much more uh, traditional financial uh, product switching to the crypto side. As you have mentioned, the first example can be definitely lending and borrow. That was the first real uh, applicability, I would say, of the DeFi world, uh, thanks to Aave, thanks to other protocols that able the user uh, applying for, for ADAPT. And this is definitely the path we are taking uh, right now with uh, all the financial product. We have seen a huge development in uh, trading. Uh, that is the main, I would say, objective as of today for crypto uh, on, the on the decentralized world. So coming from exchange like ours, that right, right now is a centralized exchange, not a decentralized one, that are trying to help people not just investing in, in uh, crypto, but also as mentioned before by Guerra, to switch from a stable coin to another that is really helpful when you are trying to, for example, travel uh, the world just with your crypto wallet and so on with other applications, much more complex, I would say, and strictly connected to the investing world. So this is right now what uh, I see as a next evolution in terms of DeFi and TreadFi, because in the end, this is the actual comparison we need to do. Super. Thank you. And where, uh, how do you see, you see uh, stable coins are a very important aspect for people to make payments around. Is also the centralized finance something that you saw people using or uh, they just do trade the cryptocurrency? Yeah, there's definitely um, pockets of, of, of adoption of, of, of cryptocurrency and De using DeFi. So using DeFi for yield, uh, to, to earn yield, but also to, to borrow, to, to find debt. Um, but the future that, that I see is really kind of, um, you know, kind of what uh, Alessandro said, which is you know the the tradfi defi worlds kind of trying to find finding a way to collide um and that's you know there's there's this term that was coined called the crypto or the defi mullet uh so you know the, the haircut of the mullet which is you know business in the front party in the back uh but instead in this case it's defi uh, fintech in the front defi powering the back end um and really what i see you know in africa where like like i said before there's a lot large underbanked population. There's lots of fintechs actually working very hard to to serve to serve the, these these needs. But things like, for example, debt are really difficult. It's really expensive to get debt in markets like Africa. There's various reasons which include, you know, underwriting risk and figuring out how to how to how to price risk um, and also figuring out how to how to um, assess the risk of, of of individuals who don't have credit scores. But you know, there's companies that have figured that out, have kind of nailed how to do that for niche environments. So I'd like to think about like Tugende or a SAC, which do they do asset financing for motorcycle riders in Uganda and Kenya. Um, but they actually struggle to find debt. And they're actually, some of these companies are now looking to DeFi. So they're looking to DeFi to, to originate this debt. And um, 
then disperse the funds in fiat uh, to their customers. What is the benefit? The benefit is that they're able to get better terms, better repayment terms, better better um, uh, interest rates uh, in DeFi than if they were borrowing from a traditional lender. Uh, so whilst I think that the there, there are there are a number of people, individuals, businesses who are directly borrowing in DeFi and and using that working capital in, in Africa. It's it, the intermediary still needs to exist uh, for this to be uh, for for mass adoption. So, um, the off ramp essentially. So the on and off ramp, the off ramp to disperse funds for for example this in this in this example debt, uh, and the uh, on ramp to collect funds. So to collect fiat and put that back into into crypto uh, for the fintech to pay the debt back. So. There's there's a lot of configurations that that we're starting to see, but in my opinion, I think that's the one that's the one that we're going to see kind of emerge a little bit more um, on the continent in a place where debt is really difficult to find. So the gateways mostly, right? Uh, the gateways yes. between one world to another are, yeah. I always been when there is a bridge until everybody move on the other side is uh, there is uh, the bridge, uh, there is a necessity. And Lorenzo in. Uh, in the world of Web3, closer to this kind of uh, the implementations that are not just uh, games and, uh, you know, and monkeys that are bored about uh, living in, in NFTs. What, what did you see? Um, so good question. Uh, in, in Outlier, like, uh, uh, we even have uh, a dedicated program to DeFi. We run every, uh, basically, two times per year, and, and we run specifically on that. What I feel is that to me, DeFi is the perfect representation of uh, credible neutrality. No, uh, we we can basically have this idea that we have platforms that everyone can use, and when everyone, you have two types: you have like the end users and people that they want to build on top. So this is where, in my opinion, DeFi really shine because offer better primitives. So what we saw uh, in Wall Street or with traditional finance is everything based in closed databases that exchange the value. What DeFi is doing is making this open and let you to build on, on top of that. Um, so what we are seeing is that a lot of innovation is coming there. Sometimes it's maybe too extreme, like they are serving uh, basically themselves. There is let's say the, the, the genocide now, and they are keep inventing things on top. Uh, but out of this, uh, we are seeing a, a, a lot of things coming up that can be reused by others. I think something that I really like lately is this work that is happening about vaults, not to standardize vaults uh, that are basically a concept where I can put together assets and then run strategies. So there is a lot of effort to standardize this concept of the vaults so that you can uh, combine them. And, and that will end up to be useful for the users because they could basically have better healed with strategies they don't need to understand, but they will just put the, uh, their capital uh, there. So those things, I think they will end up to be also useful for, for the end users. Um, so yeah, I think that that's it's a bit of the what we saw right now. Super amazing. Yes, yeah, standard is a very good point because uh, there is everything and whatever is like the far west. We are at the early early days, so it is happen. But uh, we take a small break uh, and uh, we come back in a minute. Do you want to be part of Breaking Banks Europe? Reach out and learn more about the opportunity to be featured in one of our shows. With over 1.6 million listeners and counting, Breaking Banks Europe is bound to become the place to advance critical dialogue in Europe 
and the UK fintech scene. Reach out on Instagram or Twitter at BreakingBanksEU or go to www.provoke.fm. And welcome back uh, to Breaking Back Europe, episode 164. We talk about cryptos, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, we are here again with Alexandro, with uh, Guerra, with uh, Lorenzo. And uh, we had a very interesting uh, chat about uh, different uh, approach that there is in crypto. Now, uh, there are some aspects, practical aspects. People talk about the wallet. You have to have a wallet uh, a wallet is a little bit of a misleading word because in the wallet is where I keep my money. But uh, in reality, what is called wallet in the world of crypto, in cryptographic terms, is just the capacity to sign, to make a signature, which authorizes things to happen somewhere else. So sometimes it's funny when you travel and you see uh, if you're entering this country with more than $20,000 worth, uh, you need to declare in, in your pocket, you have uh, maybe an hardware wallet with $5 million worth of crypto. And you say, should I declare it or not? In reality, no, because you are not bringing the physical good with you. It's just a signature that who knows what can do. And that's an interesting aspect when you think about the regulators, uh, how they uh, regulate things. I saw the most incredible uh, uh, made with ignorance because uh, you know, naturally nobody knows everything. But when you're legislating, you should have a very good consulting with an expert that let you know what uh, is regulated and what not. And in fact, these things that uh, makes the biggest difference is uh, the responsibility. When uh, you work with uh, uh, an intermediary like a financial institution, you made a mistake, you can call them back and they can try to help you and fix it. While uh, here we live in a moment that uh, in the moment that you do a transaction in the blockchain to have sent uh, the wrong amount of crypto to somebody else, uh, then you cannot call anybody. That's uh, uh, something that is gone forever. And this has led to a lot of very interesting situation, but uh, will be mediated uh, in the future. Is there something uh, because th there is another incredible aspect. People unfortunately pass away, die, and uh, you know the the hairs cannot access the crypto wallet. Uh, and there have been a lot of very strange situations when I I am guilty of formatting a computer with 300 Bitcoin, uh, the private key of 300 Bitcoin inside, and uh, you know I cry sometimes when I think of it. When I did it, they were worth nothing. But you know nowadays will be very useful money to to have around. Is there, is there any particular story you want to share with us, Alexandra, on this topic? Yeah, I would say that I can talk uh, about our experience because being a centralized uh, entity, obviously, in some way and sometimes we can help uh, uh, with, with having some mistake in their transaction. Uh, but usually the main uh, bad topic uh, is the scam. Uh, because a uh, lot of uh, newbie of the market uh, entering uh, the market uh, using our platform, for instance, uh, trying to make their first investment, uh, for example, and uh, they are in some way catched by this scammer that say, okay, send me X Bitcoin and I will send you back or uh, it will profit uh, two times every month and stuff like that. Uh, on that, usually uh, a newbie user don't understand that sending BTC, for example, or Ethereum or what 
whatever crypto you want is an irreversible action. Uh, so they come to us and say, okay, I want uh, as in the banking system to call back your transfer and give me the Bitcoin back. Obviously, some, this, this is something that is not possible. And from a centralized perspective, the only way we can avoid or try, try to minimize this kind of episodes is to identify the different pattern of fraud. And this for centralized. For decentralized, fortunately, I had no uh, real deal with the uh, old wallets. Probably my first wallet in BTC opened in 2050 uh, that... Uh, Unfortunately, I've lost the key, uh, literally, because it was uh, on a whole PCs. But uh, I will just uh, uh, specifically talk about uh, all the scams related to your own decentralized wallet that, for example, happen on Twitter. A lot of also big names uh, in the crypto space uh, have lost or crypto or NFTs because they haven't looked uh, at uh, the website or at the connection they have done with their wallet. And this, in the end, uh, ended with the, the wallet being drained by, by the scam. And obviously, it's something that is irre it's irreversible because you have signed that transaction and you can do nothing. So Absolutely. it's not Even just about I... newbies, it's also about pros because also the user. Absolutely. There is, uh, yeah, this war between scam and hacking uh, that, uh, you know, you affect everything. Also, the, you know, the institutional classical banking, there's been cases of uh, people installing malware on a cell phone, intercepting the SMS with authorization and doing things. But uh, in fact, the crypto, the crypto world is much more open to, uh, to, to wait to, to take advantage of, of people. In fact, I was wondering uh, where I, is this, uh, uh, something that uh, happened a lot in a place where a lot of people rely on uh, on crypto for uh, uh, there are you know there's, particular story that yeah. there's definitely bad actors and I think that like any financial services like I think the most innovative people in the world are scammers <laughs> um, non-engineers in Silicon Valley it's scammers people who are doing financial crime mostly so yes it's uh, there's there's definitely challenges and we, we've seen our fair share of, of, of scams and and hacks happen um, but I think when it comes to wallets uh, and the way that wallets are being used, um, like you said, wallet is a misnomer. I think it's more of like a a key, I guess, or or something that that you know, like you previously we used to log in with your email. Now you log in with Google. Now next thing is hopefully logging in with your wallet. But uh, wallets still have a long way to go. Um, and you know, forget about the the security piece. Forget about the uh, you know the the usability. I think the the biggest challenge I think is UX. And I'm not talking about design. I'm talking about actual usability of of, of wallets. So accessibility of wallets, it's complex. It's really hard to actually get someone to use a wallet, but we've seen strides be made by uh, companies like Binance and, and in, in, in North America, Coinbase, uh, to make to, to make wallets, especially self-custody, something that people can, can do quite easily. The second thing is really security and trust and, you know, users, regular people being uh, responsible for securing their own keys and their own funds uh, is 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 really not scalable. Like it's not something that, you know, not everyone's going to be able to remember their seed phrase. And mm -hmm. and it's it, that's just like such a tough UX problem. Uh, so it really, it, it's it's daunting to, to consider, you know, what kinds of scams that can happen with 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 technology that, that is used by people who don't fully understand it. And then I'd say the last hurdle uh, with regards to UX of, of wallets is, is integration and inter interoperability, right? So 
Um, mobile money, for example, MFS Africa, we've done we've done a great job of, of making mobile money interoperable across the continent, but it's been a really huge feat and it's taken a long time. I think even with, with crypto wallets, uh, cryptocurrencies are not widely accepted, uh, in, especially mainstream commerce. You know, you're not able to buy uh, a cup of coffee in Kenya with Shiba Inu, um, but that, that's also due to the fact that we don't really have many checkout options uh, that that that. that accept crypto on the continent, but really wallets need to be more interoperable and integrate integratable across um you know the the use cases and and really center I think the, the future of it will hopefully be driven by UX designers who are centering actual user experience and making it usable uh, so that it's not only secure but 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 also um can can drive uh, adoption. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. That's that's uh, correct. It was you made me remind when uh, uh, Bitcoin was uh, around two hundred dollar. I was going to a breakfast uh, in a place that accept Bitcoin as payment. So when my breakfast were about fifty dollars uh, because I eat a lot, uh, I think how much I paid the breakfast uh, with uh, given a few years of difference <laughs> that has been between the most expensive breakfast ever. Lorenzo, in Web three, the signing with the key is important. Think about. Uh, the metaverse where my identity has to go through one uh, virtual <laughs> world to another and uh, be always uh, this avatar with this characteristic and this has to be recognized uh, along uh, many different providers as well as uh, uh, the identity is beautiful. One thing that happened with NFT, it is very Web3 story and uh, the jury uh, company uh, a jury company to make names because I don't want to do promotion made a special uh, pendant with the monkeys uh, worth $50,000 and to purchase it you need to log in to the website to make the purchase with an account that also owned the NFT of the monkey so only if you actually own the NFT of the monkey you can buy the piece of jewelry these automatically give a beautiful selection because they didn't even need to make a, a particular outreach to the people, uh, but they already have a filter on the user. So uh, a connecting identity with the digital assets, uh, with uh, other things, uh, in a world that is transparent, I can say you can uh, come and order from my shop only if you have a minimum balance in your wallet of a certain amount of money, right? So I can say... So all this dynamic create a very interesting uh, aspect for uh, uh, what can be done uh, in uh, this Web3 world in the future. And uh, exactly what Guerra were saying, the wallet uh, are, mostly hardware wallet, in my opinion, are the key to make all these things successful. What do you think was your take about it? Yeah, well, I will do a step back uh, to what uh, uh, Guerra was saying about the wallets. I think it's uh, really an important aspect right now. Um, I'm much more optimistic now than a couple of years ago. I think a lot is happening in the wallet. There is a lot of uh, work uh, going in, in these aspects. Uh, and, and I think there are now new standards coming up, uh, naming, uh, namely is like uh, account abstraction is this concept that we want to, uh, have a system that allow us to have uh, much more control over the keys and what's going to happen. What actually we already have is that the wallets are smart contracts. And what this change is that you can add business logic on top of that. Uh, and there are two uh, very good examples of what can happen at the wallet level once you move to the smart contracts. One is the idea that if I lose the keys, I have an option to get it back. 
And so there is a very nice approach that is called like social recovery when basically I can give, uh, uh, I can trust two, three, four guardians that can help me out in case I lose uh, the keys. That's an important concept because it allows me to retrieve my keys if I, for example, lose my phone. Uh, Another concept that I think it's a very good example of this is, for example, set limits. So I can have an approach where if I move more than 1,000 stable coins, the smart contract will ask for my guardians to confirm or other logic that basically prevent me to, to damage. And I think that that's an interesting concept. And, and even more, we could have, for example, other level of, of like, we could add, for example, things like a second factor authentication on top of that. So all those things can be implemented at the wallet level. On the other side, we really need to improve the UX. And and that is, I think, happening uh, a bit. I think I'm quite optimistic on the phones that are improving in that area, but also desktop app are, are getting better. There is like now a few good examples of things that are in the right direction. I wouldn't say it is solved, but they are in the right direction. When it comes uh, down to like NFTs uh, gating, or uh, you, Roberto, was saying, like for example, I can allow you to do something based on your uh, Web3 identity, I think that's quite interesting. Like we are seeing these effects where if I hold an NFT, I can let you do something. I think it's a great example of, of these approaches but also based on, on on the kind of currencies you hold. And there are people, for example, targeting even commercial activities and, and like advertising around these topics. And so I think our identity will go through those uh, aspects uh, sooner than, than later. Again, gaming will be definitely an area, but even look at Spotify. Now they are thinking to let you access songs based on NFTs. That's it's also very useful for artists. Now we are really seeing things happening in other areas or reddit with the points no like you are collecting those points and then you will have uh badges uh that are mm-hmm. actually nfts so i think a lot is coming there that's fantastic yes yeah and, and in fact uh, now i think uh, uh we are uh, toward the end of uh, this uh, interesting session and chat that we had but uh, there are so many aspects that uh, people don't consider when they just hear about uh, the cryptocurrencies, right? Uh, people think, well, just another thing, while actually is really an important gateway to a lot of other aspects that will change our life in the next future, and for some people already changing their life as uh, as of today. So we can make a round uh, of uh, last uh, last uh, comments uh, that we may have in this, uh, in this topic, starting with Alexandro, that uh, let's not forget, uh, Young Platform uh, is an exchange. Uh, they do a lot of uh, interesting education, uh, uh, something that uh, is worth uh, searching up. Uh, and uh, I really admire the, the quantity of uh, teaching that uh, investment in teaching that uh, that they have done uh, and they're doing actually. Alexandria. Yeah, uh, so I will follow definitely what told before about UX uh, because it's also something uh, uh, when we start the company we have put uh, at the first glance for our user uh, because the main problem back in 2017 was related first of all to usability of the platform. On that, uh, related to the wallet, uh, uh, in the last days, if I'm not wrong, uh, Vitalik, the founder of Ethereum, published a really interesting articles talking about uh, the UX improvement in wallets uh, and if the 
founder of Ad have problem using the wallets, I would say that it's normal that a newbie or a pro user have problem using that. So this is definitely what I am expecting for uh, the next uh, future for, for the market on a side. And following what you are saying, definitely much more education, not from uh, directly for newbie user but uh, coming from company like ours company uh, coming from protocols that are trying to uh, make easily access uh, this world to everyone on that uh, i feel uh, that we are trying to do something uh, special uh, because as you mentioned uh, we are trying to improve uh, to um, use a new approach to the a educational uh, so definitely i hope to see much more effort in uh, able the user understanding how the tech and the protocol is working because in the end this is the real missing piece i would say today in the market because everyone is seeing crypto in the 90% of the cases <laughs> i would say as a speculative uh, market and a speculative asset on which make money but this is not the real use cases, as told by Guerra, but there are a lot of other examples, Venezuela for an instance, and so and so on. So this is these are the two main developments I want to see in the crypto space in the next future. Absolutely, and I agree with you. In fact, it is uh, indeed uh, uh, one of the aspects people miss when they look about cryptos, that there is much more. Guerra, your final comment? Um, so I'm quite interested, invested, uh, passionate about, um, you know, expanding financial inclusion and improving access uh, to financial services in Africa. And um, crypto is going to definitely play a, a very key role in this. I mean, adoption has been quite, quite wide and, and fast, but um, I, I, I'm also skeptical and, and, and sorry, cognizant of the fact that there's hurdles like regulation, um, governments uh, getting involved and and maybe maybe a bit of arbitrage that may happen where people um, build outside of, of certain markets where it needs to needs to happen. But um, whilst that all is in the back of my mind, I, I do I am quite bullish and and, and confident of, of uh, stablecoins specifically being the killer use case. So the killer use case for crypto adoption in Africa. Um, and I, it would just be great to see um, more more businesses and, and more individuals and more community-led uh, organizations as well, like various foundations, um, building uh, on top of stablecoins for Africa. That's, that's interesting. For sure it's going to happen, actually. I have to say that Africa has become one of the hub for crypto. Most of my friends are flying there constantly, and uh, many are moving actually there. There is a huge startup scene. Uh, I've been very, very much surprised about uh, this uh, late evolution the past few years of Africa, and so thumbs up for this. Uh, Lorenzo, your final comments on today's chat? Yeah, well, my my hopes for for the next uh, uh, years is really to see uh, adoptions uh, at the user level and and see people using crypto. Uh, I, I'm definitely fine with the speculation aspect. I think as part of that, we ended up to uh, reinvent the money, so speculation is part of that um, uh, aspect. However, we really need adoption, and and so I'm really hoping people will start to use crypto um, and. Even like uh, exchanging uh, exchanges or uh, other fintech, uh, be basically drivers of of this adoption and be 
uh, actors in, in that aspect because they are in a very privileged position to guide people. And so, for example, the, the launch of Coinbase of Base, a, a chain uh, by themselves, I think it's exactly in that direction where we are seeing matching the crypto aspects with the consumers. And so I'm expecting that happening more and more. Uh, and we'll see. But yeah, I'm quite optimistic on, on the future, regardless the regulation that it's going to be tough. I believe that the arbitrage going to happen like places like Africa. Basically, there will not be issues there. You will they will keep developing and then we will see the advantages and other people will catch up. So I think that's it's another interesting aspect that I'm foreseeing. Fantastic. OK, so. Thank you to all of you, Alexandro, Guerra, and Lorenzo, for this fantastic chat. I hope we enlightened a few people and uh, we raise a topic of discussion in uh, various uh, groups. And uh, we're looking forward, everybody, to see you the next uh, episode for Breaking Back Europe. And bye-bye. Uh, Have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.